Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Stephen Williams from the very special Memphis group that's called the Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue Team. We will take calls with Stephen next hour. Stephen, you were telling us about this one house and this little spirit girl popped up. Go ahead. Right. So uh, I was determined I was going to try to help her cross over that night. So I started singing a nursery song that I used to sing to my own daughter when she was about the age of this girl. I dare you to sing it for us right now. What's that? I dare you to sing it for us right now. Oh, Come I on. I can't remember which one it was. Okay. But anyway, um, after I did that for just a minute or two, I could feel her come close, and then she actually climbed on my lap. I felt like I was electrified from head to toe. Um, and I could also feel, I can feel the energy of spirit, so I could feel that there was a, uh, a high vibrational spirit that was standing really close nearby. And in my experience, whenever there's a child spirit, this used to bother me when I would encounter child spirits. Uh, there's always a loved one, like a relative, uh, crossed over a person who's there nearby kind of watching over that child until they cross. So I knew this person was there, and uh, I just kept singing this little girl and talking to her and saying, you know, um, I felt like a grandmother energy. So I said, your grandmother's here. You know, she's wanting to take you home, and she wants you to go home with her. And she did. Her vibration increased, and she, she was able to release and transition. So I was able to help her, but I never could convince that little Henry to leave. And um, so that night was the last night I was ever able to go into that house. Uh, About a month later, I met a medium, and I decided to take her out there to see if she uh, could see anyone out there. And I was shocked when I got back to the uh, location because they had demolished the house. And there was just this big pile of rubble there. It was about 12 or 15 feet high. But what was really unusual was on the top of the pile of rubble was a chair. And I hadn't told her anything about my experiences there. So I asked her, do you see anyone here? And she said, yes, there's a little boy sitting in that chair on top of the pile of rubble. So he was still there. And probably still is. Yeah, I believe he is. Actually, I went by there about uh, a year later, and I could feel his energy. So he's really he's tied to that spot for some reason. I don't know exactly why. He never he never would communicate very much. He was kind of cryptic. What about one of your scariest places? Oh, I would say the weirdest, scariest experience I've ever had in doing this for 18 years. Uh, I was working with a different medium named Stephanie, and we had gone over to actually spend the night in the Thomas house, which has been featured on uh, a couple of the TV shows. And we had an investigation in that area. Uh, A family, young family had contacted me and uh, said that their children were being terrorized by spirits. So Hmm. we spent the night in the Thomas house and we decided to go on over to that house the next uh, evening. And we were driving down this old winding country road and uh, off to the right, there was this beautiful white horse. Um, and it was bathed in this, you know, you've seen sometimes when the, uh, the uh, sunlight breaks through the clouds, there's like a beam mm-hmm. of sunlight. Like a little it was, effect, yeah. Right. It was right on, it was right on this horse. So I said, I got to stop and take a picture of this. Like the movie, The Natural, okay. remember? With Robert Redford, right. the girl sitting in the stands with that beam on her hat. 
it looked exactly like that. This was just a beautiful horse. And as I got out and went over to it and took a picture, I could feel this really high vibrational energy. And we work with uh, Archangel Energies, and it felt to me like it was uh, the energy of Archangel Michael. Um, so I took that as a sign. And I got back into the car, and we started driving again. And around this curve in front of us came this very scary-looking person in a wheelchair. It looked like an old haggy lady woman. In a wheelchair, by herself? In a wheelchair, by herself, barreling, I mean, very fast, coming down the center of the road. And it, she wouldn't move. And so I had to get actually get off onto the right side of the shoulder of the road to go around her. Was it an electric chair, or was she doing her hand thing on the wheels? She was doing it with her hands. Jeez. And uh, she glared at me as she went by, and I turned to my friend Stephanie. I said, did you see that? And she was stunned, and we turned around and looked, and it had vanished. So it was some type of apparition. Wow. Uh, did she cackle at you? Yeah. No, she didn't, but it was, it was scary all, enough. That, that's all you that, need. So I believe me. <laughs> so we went on down. Uh, about five minutes from there was the house that we were going to. And I drove up into the driveway, and it just did not feel right to me. And so I, t- I told uh, Stephanie, stay in the car, if you will, please, until I go and check this out. So I went up to the house, knocked on the door, and the door opened, and this very grotesque-looking man in a diaper in a diaper? In a diaper. <laughs> yeah. How old was he? And he was looked like he was about 45 or 50 years old. Jeez. Now, I know it's at the right address because I had checked him on GPS, and it was the correct address. This is one of those Chainsaw Massacre movies. <laughs> it was a weird. It was very weird. And so he did not say anything, and he turned around and shut the door. And uh, so I went back, and I said, we're leaving. This doesn't feel right. And I contacted that family over and over by email and phone, and they never did answer. So I don't know what wow. that was all about. If that was some type of spiritual attack uh, that was aimed at us, or we were trying to be lured into something, but that has to be the most bizarre experience I've ever had doing this in 18 years. Stephen, what do you do to protect yourself? I feel like we are divinely protected um, because of the type of work we're doing. I feel like that's provided for us without even asking for it. Now, in the beginning, when I was uh, initially investigating 18 years ago, I would, um, you know, I'd say the St. Michael's Prayer and things like that and wear medals and crosses and things. But I, I just, I feel, you know, that that's not necessary at this point. I feel like whenever we go into a house and we're trying to, work with earthbound spirits and try to help them uh, transition that that's just automatically provided for us. Do you have any uh, heroes in this field that you have looked up to over the years? I'm glad you asked that question because it was very strange. About a month ago, I was guided to a YouTube video and um, it was an episode of In Search Of, you know, that was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. That's right. Yeah. It was in the first season, and I had never seen this before, but Hans Holzer was actually working with mediums 40, 42 years ago, and there was an episode where he had gone into an uh, investigation in a house in Maine, and he was working with an, a medium named uh, Ingrid Beckman, and she, they actually performed a spirit rescue uh, during that episode 
which just blew my mind that somebody actually was presenting that on television that long ago. So in my in my opinion, it's a shame that uh, that did not continue. Uh, you know, instead of uh, the way that TV programs are now, where it's mostly about evidence collection and trying to prove or disprove a, a yeah, haunting rather exactly. than trying to actually help the earthbound spirits who are there. And it's always got to end with something scary or something, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, your group is called Memphis. Does that mean you just right. stay in Memphis? Well, we're all from this area. I was born and raised in Memphis. Uh, Kayla uh, Bales, who's one of my partners, her family's from Louisiana, but she grew up in a house in Memphis that had two spirits in it. One was an older gentleman named Carter, and he would move things around and slam doors to let people know he was there. And then she had a a little little girl who stayed in her closet named Lillian, and she was kind of like her companion, and she stayed with her till she was like an early teen, and then she left. My other partner, uh, Jennifer Brooks, is from Oklahoma, and she lives actually in northern Mississippi. But she, when she was about seven years old, her dad passed away. And she, for about a month after he passed away, he would come to her at night and sit on her bed and tell her stories that she had never heard before. And when she told those stories to her mother the next morning, uh, she would say, well, you never, we never told you that. How do you know that? So she's been able, both of them have been able to see spirits since they were children. How many places do you think you investigate in any given year? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, I've been in hundreds and hundreds of homes and, and businesses and public sites. Uh, I wish I had really kept an accurate record. I'd really like to know. But this month is actually my 18th uh, year anniversary of, of being involved in this. So. It started in St. Augustine, Florida, uh, with a ghost tour, and then in 2007 is where I encountered a uh, spirit child named Alice and met uh, Linda, who's a medium. She's the one who introduced me to Spirit Rescue. So St. Augustine really is an important place for me in my career. We are going on our 18th year of doing this show. Yeah, I used to uh, listen. In fact, when I went to the Union Screaming House investigation back in November 2004, I remember listening to Coast to Coast AM on the way home because that was a drive. Uh, We left there about midnight and drove all night long to get back home. And I've listened to you many, many times, George and Art Bell, you know, somewhere in time, driving back from late night investigations. We've had some interesting guests over the years, Stephen, uh, who really enjoy doing what they're doing. What motivates you? It's a real passion for me. Uh, I've seen the results in people's lives when their lives return to normal. Uh, That really bothers me when these, uh, I call them gadget ghost groups, go into people's homes and they're basically in there for chills and thrills and to uh, maybe find some kind of evidence or record a video and put it on their Facebook page or something like that. And they leave those people with the same predicament that they were facing before they ever came in. So, you know, it's our goal always to go in and effect a positive change to try to help those spirits release because unless you do that, you know, the activity is just going to keep keep going on and on and people's lives are turned upside down by that. Do you always go in with a three-person team or do you go in uh, by yourself? How do you work that? Actually, my two partners are able to work remotely. So uh, if they're not able to physically go with me, I just have them text me. 
uh, while I'm there on site, and and they provide information that way because they're able to read. Really? Do you sometimes yeah, FaceTime you know, them and, you know, hold your cell phone up while you're walking around? Uh, normally they just text, and I, I'm able to pick up information myself uh, through my clairsentience abilities, and also I'm, uh, have a little bit of clairvoyance and clairaudience, not as, not as strong as theirs. But the other thing that's really interesting is that um, whenever someone contacts us and I get their address, I will, you know, these Google cars have been all over the country that's and they right. have street views available online. Yep, yep. So I will go, I'll plug in the address and I will uh, do a screenshot of the location and send it to them. And they're able to read off the, just off of that. Can they tell from just a picture what's really going on inside? Many times they can, yeah. And I can also, uh, if I talk to someone on the phone, that's kind of the way we screen people is uh, when I call the client for the first time, I can actually tell if there's someone, uh, spirit there, and tell if they're male or female and that type of thing. Or take us through the moment somebody calls you and says, Mr. Williams, I got a problem in this house. I think it's haunted. What do we do? What, What do you do from that moment on? When we go in and do a rescue? Yes. Yeah, so so again, uh, they will usually email us or leave a voicemail. So I will call them back, and I can, like I said, I can many times tell if there's a spirit energy in the house and if it's even worth pursuing that. Um, but once we arrive on site, if we're all three there, uh, what they will do is uh, they will get out their notepads and they start connecting with any spirits who are there, any energies that are there. I usually spend about 10 minutes just kind of chit-chatting with the, the homeowner or the business owner and while they're, they're connecting. And I'm also paying attention and seeing if I pick up on anything. And then we'll go from room to room. Um, sometimes we encounter spirits in, in certain areas of the house. They're usually drawn to certain areas. And if we encounter a spirit and they're um, open to to communicating with us, we'll go ahead and do counseling at that point and uh, help them t- transition. And but and sometimes we have to go back later after we've done our complete walkthrough and work with specific spirits. But there have been and some places that you've just turned down, right? You just didn't get involved? Normally, when someone contacts us, there's something, usually something happening there that's, that's worth a trip or... Um, uh, I've actually been able to do a few things remotely. I had somebody call me from California recently, and uh, I was able to tell that there were a couple of spirits in the house. Later that night, a female spirit actually showed up in my house, and I was able to uh, get a good visual on her and did some counseling with her and actually helped her to transition. And when I called that guy in California the next day, I described who I had seen. He said, that's exactly who we've seen in our house. So sometimes they'll come to us, and there's kind of an energetic connection between the client and us. How do people stay in a house, Stephen, when they know it's been uh, visited or is being visited by some kind of entity? Uh, many people can't. They, they, uh, you know, they just can't uh, tolerate it, so they'll move. Um, but uh, some people get used to it. Some people enjoy it. Actually, they enjoy uh, being able to tell people, "I've got a spirit in my house." You know that type really? of thing. Really? Well, not yeah. every spirit is benevolent, though. No, um, but my experience, that's very rare. Usually what people interpret as malevolent or threatening is usually just the spirit trying harder and harder to get someone's attention. 
because they really need help and they don't know how to uh, how to get out of there. You know, they kind of missed the bus, so to so to speak. Has a spirit ever thanked you after the fact? Yes, they often do that. And the first time that happened, it really shocked me because I thought probably when someone uh, made that transition and crossed over, there was maybe a healing period or an orientation period. But we were working with a mother and uh, son's uh, spirits, earthbound spirits. And the the son was, um, he had some kind of mental handicap or something. Okay. And she was determined she was not going to leave until he went with her and we we did some counseling with her and told her that she could actually help him better she went ahead and released and transitioned and she came back immediately and she was in a higher vibration and she thanked us you know profusely uh, for helping her to to get to that vibration and then she actually took him right right with her so yeah, sometimes they'll come back, and they'll also uh, sometimes leave gifts for people like pennies and feathers and things like that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.